Hello, and welcome to Clock Talk with Dr. Greg Brennan. Today, we're going to talk about prostate cancer, which is probably on the mind of every single male once they turn 35 and older. Every day, they think about it. Because, you know, males, they can't have anything wrong with them, you know, below the waist. So, And they all do. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about prostate cancer, the A, Bs, and Cs of it, and we'll yeah. go from there. All of us will die with prostate cancer, bottom line. But dying with it or of it are two different things, right? So this is important to understand. The prostate is a very, very um, active organ. Um, the anaglus, the anaglus uh, organ in a woman would be the uterus, okay? When we're, we're inside the womb developing, that's how the, the, the differentiate by the hormones. And our, obviously genetics leads to the phenotype. Gene, gene is the DNA, the phenotype is how it's expressed. So in our field at Optimum Bio. Okay, let me back up. Mm -hmm. Just tell us what the, what the prostate gland actually does. Okay. The urethra goes through it and it actually adds fluid and chemicals to the semen is what it does. And it makes, it makes that healthy. Um, and you need it healthy to have reproduction, period. And it sits in the base of the penis. And again, the urethra goes through it. I'm reading a great book on prostate cancer, a little later over that moment on the, on the hormones aspect of it. But let's think about this. We hear in our field, optical bio, in, in, in testosterone therapy treatment, Testosterone therapy causes prostate cancer to grow, period. End of story. It's verbatim. It's, everybody knows it. Dr. Morgenthaler at Harvard wrote a great book called Testosterone for Life. He's a world expert urologist whose specialty is prostate cancer and, by the way, hormone pellets. So he, in his book, he ties the whole story. He read, he read that paper. It's a famous paper by Dr. Huggins and Hodges at the University of Chicago in 1941. He knew the paper backwards and forwards, and he says, I'm going to go read it myself. He went and got it out of the library. Great. He says a great little story in there. The original Huggins and Hodges studies were on dogs first, which obviously makes sense to do animals. But the famous everybody quotes was a famous study with how many people in the study that said testosterone therapy causes prostate cancer to grow. Three men and two were disqualified. One man study. And he already was castrated. So he had no testosterone. That's the famous paper study goes. How so, can science allow that? Well, because it, it, he, he Dr. Huggins won the Nobel Prize in 62, so he's obviously brilliant. I'm not saying that, but it is one study. And again, so now there's so much current stuff now. I mean, let me fast forward. Dr. Morgenthau's papers, his book is great, but his papers are fantastic too. He finds that this prostate gland itself gets saturated around 90, around 99 grams per deciliter. So anything above 90 can't make it grow. He did a study with only 13 men, but this is interesting. Okay, hold on, what does that mean? So the prostate cancer... Like you're jumping ahead okay, of me so, on this so stuff because I wanted to know what the prostate so actually does. You so, gave me one thing. Well, that's basically all it does. It supports the genital urinary system. It gets fluid for the semen. It's You need it healthy. When it gets inflamed. So if it gets removed, you cannot reproduce. It decreases the amount. Yes, it decreases the semen. And the, the, therefore, the, the interesting, the semen, the sperm matures at a lower temperature and needs that fluid to mature. Yes. So the bottom line is you're not going to have a baby. All right. Okay. What about erectile dysfunction? If That's it gets the problem. It's all the nerves in that area. The penis has two functions, right? You have to urinate and, and for reproduction. So if those nerves get involved in the surgery itself, yes, you can have ED problems, 100%. There's a, there's a great book, Flash Forward, called uh, The Prostate, uh, 
PSA Hoax by Dr. Thomas Albin. I recommend we read that book. Thomas Albin, who's he? He invented the test to isolate PCA. Right, we'll talk about that in a few okay. minutes. Okay, so back okay. to our stuff. So back to your stuff now. So I just wanted to understand what the prostate okay. actually does. So yeah. that's why I say in a woman, it's a function for the genital urinary system for reproduction, just like the uterus in woman. Okay, so it needs testosterone to be healthy. And so his, he did another study. He showed he had 13 men in his study who have documented prostate cancer that he personally biopsied. Then he gave him pellets, testosterone pellets. He came back two and a half years later and rebiopsied them. 56% had no prostate cancer, 40% no change. Then he's also multiple papers showing men with prostate cancer treated with testosterone pellets versus those who aren't. Those who are treated with testosterone pellets live longer less heart attack, dementia, cardiovascular disease, because that's what testosterone does. I, I said to some other um, clock talks, we talked about there's been studies that show men, the standard care with prostate cancer is androgen deprivation therapy. So turn off all your testosterone. And they find those men have more dementia, more Alzheimer's, more cardiovascular disease, and more osteoporosis. And some studies show those who treat when cancer reoccurs, it's a faster mortality. So what's the reason why they would turn off the hormones. Okay, I'm not a urologist. I'm not an oncologist, but I study a lot of this stuff. It's because in theory, the prostate gland needs testosterone to grow. Back to Dr. So you're shrinking Hug it back. Dr. Huggins's paper, right? So that's the problem. There's only one person in the study. And Morgenthau's literature, he revolutionized it. Mayo Clinic in 2001, their clinical book called The Proceedings, 2001 Proceedings says, um, a testosterone therapy does not increase prostate cancer or benign hypertrophy. Okay, that's Mayo Clinic. Morgenthal in his book says, testosterone therapy now or has never been proven to increase any prostate cancer or benign hypertrophy. In fact, it's just, I'm not saying it's a wives' tale, but that it sort of is. And that's the problem is because when you lose testosterone, you lose vitality, depression, anxiety comes, mood swing, all these things happen with low testosterone. So therefore, Dr. Friedman has a great book, came out in 2013, the receptor of the prostate, testosterone converts to estrogen and the prostate does not have that enzyme. But as you age and some defects, it does. And there's two receptors, an alpha and a beta receptor. It may be more estrogen dependent causing the prostate, not the, not the testosterone. In fact, he has said he's shown high dose of testosterone actually reversed it, sort of actually uh, mimicking what Dr. Morgenthau's paper did. So with the increase in prostate cancer nationwide and worldwide, is that because we're living longer or is that because we have these uh, hormone disruptors that are in our diets and in our environment? Which is great. We don't have a, we don't have a placebo group. You know, all of us eat the same food. How much antibiotics, um, hormone driven food, our milk, our, all these things have been all these synthetic things over time. The plastics, the xenoestrogens, it's so multifactorial. But when you look back at the biochemistry, testosterone makes the prostate Healthy, healthy. And think about logically. Uh, you, uh, when's your highest testosterone should be? 18, 25? How many prostate cancers at 18 and 25? None. Right. So um, maybe we'll do, one day we'll do, maybe do a clock talk on actual receptors of the prostate. Uh, Friedman's book is fantastic. It talks about alpha and beta, uh, progesterone A and B. The big thing here, Jim, is we know when cells are messed up, they make a thing called BL, 
BCL. And when that thing's turned on, that increases inflammation and growth. So what you're going to do is turn those things off. And testosterone appears to turn that off. And there's two receptors for testosterone too. There's a membrane receptor and a nuclear receptor. The membrane receptor may be a problem, but not the nuclear receptor. So it's, I guess I may draw pictures one day and show some complication there, but it's just not black and white. A, a hormone that in the womb causes the prostate to develop, the hormone that causes it to mature, the hormone that causes it to do its function suddenly causes it to become cancerous. That that's sort of the, that's sort of the issue. I mean, so I mean, I guess I can't stress Morgenthau's research. That that book is phenomenal. And then you uh, those research geeks, uh, geeks go to the, his actual papers. It's phenomenal. Now, I know you're not an oncologist, but are we overtreating prostate cancer? Because you started out by saying that all of us will die from prostate cancer. Die with it. With it, or not of it. Not of it. Okay. okay. It isn't, so it, what do you mean by that? Because the cell the age, mitotic cells are going to grow. Our immune system gets weak over time. So that's just a phrase. That's a phrase that he has. Thomas Allen talks about in his book. So the question is, are we having too many biopsies based upon a PSA test? PSA, this is a, is a standard America, over 4.0. See urologist. We recommend it all the time. A rapid velocity change, 1.5 per year. Just go see urologist. But multiple things to make it go up before you get your test, being intimate for two days prior to that, riding a motorcycle, an infection, being uh, anything puts pressure, a, ride, a truck driver down a long distance. So there's reasons to make, to make sure the prostate is not inflamed that's causing the increase because PSA is not, it's prostate-specific antigen, it's a protein in the prostate, is not specific for cancer. A large man with a large prostate, because he's large, it's based on volume. But again, there's multiple showing that testosterone therapy does not increase volume, does not increase PSA. Maybe a transient rise becomes healthy, but it's never been shown to be that way. So I had a physical three years ago and it got time. And I was all nervous because I'm waiting for the yeah, rectal. fun rectal exam. And she goes, you're done. And I said, aren't you going to examine me? And she said, well, we're going to, we, you know, we got your labs and mm -hmm. we're going to look at the PSA. Right. And she goes, whether I examine you or not makes no difference to me because if I examine you and your P your prostate feels normal, but your PSA level's high, I'm referring you. Mm -hmm. um, if your PSA is normal, and but your prostate is lumpy and hard and like a walnut or whatever, right. um, you're going to be fine. Should I be concerned? <laughs> The standard of care has changed. So basically they were saying, hey, it's the PSA, PSA, I PSA. And I, was, I was a pelvic surgeon and I and I was trained to always feel before you cut, right? So, but I know that's the standard of care now, but I have some great urologist friends here that their fingers are very, very sensitive and they can't pick up nodules. A primary care may have enough. So I think what she's doing is correct in the standard. We're in a few countries that actually use PSA as the only test. I think Canada stopped using it. Again, this is Greg's opinion, not a urologist, not an oncologist, is educate. But Dr. Thomas Albin's book, he again, the guy who invented the actual test to isolate the protein actually says it's not used for that. And I really want people to read that book and study it because it is, every man talks about this. Right? I agree 100%. But there's so many reasons why it goes trans and goes rise. But again, Morgenthau's paper showed men with prostate cancer who are treated, again, after treatment. In, in our protocol is when a urologist clears our patients with prostate cancer, then they come to us because we're we're not going to over, we're going to do standard of care. But they come back, they go back at home as they feel their brains back, their intimacy's back, their overall vitality's back. But on pure mortality, cardiovascular disease decreases when you're back on testosterone. Dementia, all these things are beneficial. Again, you have, a, you have multiple studies showing men 
deprived testosterone. The four major symptoms are dementia, Alzheimer's, cardiovascular disease, and osteoporosis. When you go back on those, those things decrease. It's because that's, again, I understand correlation causation, but it appears to be, I'm trying to get our hormone levels as youthful as possible because there are no papers showing a youthful hormone. And this is the thing, a youthful hormone level is not beneficial. And this is the question, but Jim, this is a big one. But Greg, it's super physiological. Well, really, which range, which de decade? If a range was 800 to say 1,360 years ago, and remember what a range is, is a, it's a standard deviation. They get 10,000 people, they plot a point, they get the median, standard deviation, it's a bell curve. That means 10% or higher, 10% or lower. And the, and the curve has moved from, when I was in school, roughly 800 to 1,300. Now it's down 248 to 916. Why does it move? Is the question, you know, why did it move? So when I go, if, you, if, you go, if our levels say 1,100, well, that's super physiological. Well, it wasn't 40 years ago. I agree. When you get to a point of 3,000, make a number up. Yeah, I see there's been such no benefit. But interesting with testosterone, it's linear. The higher it goes, you get benefit, but how you eliminate it is it converts to estrogen and then you pee out. So you can't really build up extra that way. So I, I'm, I don't like that they move the goalpost on me, Jim. That's what I don't like. And the cancer, so think about it. So as the range has decreased, meaning lower testosterone, prostate cancer has increased. Let that sink in. As the range has changed, the prostate cancer has increased. Have they changed the ranges on the PSA test? No, it's been four forever. Which I, again, you need a cutoff somewhere and you look at the data. Um, if, I, if I remember correctly, men over 60, not you, me. Um, <laughs> it's because I'm not 60 yeah, yet. I got it, I got it, I got it. Okay, I'm just, you know. Hopefully I don't look it. Okay, you're optimal bio. <laughs> um, but about 15% of men with normal PSAs got prostate cancer. Does that mean you, you start biopsy everybody that has normal PSA? No. So that's why it's so important that we understand why we biopsy what we do, and I'm not anti that. I just want the best... We're very believing that the foundational principle of all medicine is informed consent. When patients leave here, we give them books to read, articles to read, both sides. It's their body. We just want to be on the journey to help them out. We're here to sell nothing. We just hope that we understand um, to give them that. I, sometimes not being trained in something, actually have a clearer view on that. And that's what I want to make sure everybody gets the data because again, it's their prostate. And for our situation, our protocol, you had mentioned earlier about the PSA increasing by 1.5 in a year. And we just simply refer, refer over urologist. to urologists and what have you. And, yep. and then once they clear, they come, can, they come, come back. back. Once they yep. We, we, we want to we be collaborative with their doctors. And we're very fortunate. I, I know doctors I know here have operated for years with that are brilliant surgeons and they're state-of-the-art stuff on this. So we try to stay, we want to be part of a team. We're not no demigods here. Interesting stuff as always. Um, I do think to your point earlier, I mean, I, I know some people that have gone through treatments and, um, you know, they have lost a significant amount of bone and muscle and uh, the heart. Yeah. What kills us? Heart disease. What can we do to push the heart disease out? That's why it's important to put data, put percentage, put numbers. Mm -hmm.